Welcome to Practical Theology, a podcast series by Battle Creek Friends Church. Our hope is that by listening, you feel equipped in your faith to speak out in confidence about what you believe and live it out. We're here to help you seek the Lord throughout your day. So here's your host, Bible teacher, father, husband, and guy who likes cookies, Leo Wilson. Hello and welcome to Practical Theology. Today we talk about God and his relationship to peace and anxiety. Today when I talk to young people, I I hear more and more about this struggle with anxiety and depression. And it does make me sad. Uh, It makes me also concerned and I want to do something about it, which is part of what this podcast is about. I have a friend who works in another state and he is in ministry and they minister to young adults, specifically around college towns and one secular college actually approached his ministry and said, hey, could you please help us with counseling students? We have a backlog of students that we just cannot get to and we need help. They are struggling with anxiety and depression and other needs. And he said, you know, it was kind of an honor because it it tells you a couple things. The world sees Christianity as hope, at least, in this idea. And the idea that they can be a source of peace and counseling for how to deal with these problems. But what is the problem, actually? You know, we'll talk about how to address it, but there's so much that goes on. I think we should start with a definition of peace. And the best example I can give is a a small story. During World War II, there was an art contest over in Europe. And the contest theme was paint a picture of peace. So there were pictures painted of like a still water out on a lake, you know, and just like it was a perfect mirror, for example, you know, a cabin in the woods, you know, remote, serene, some flowers around it. And those are all good examples, but they didn't win the prize. The one that won the prize was a picture of a tall waterfall crashing down in a lightning storm and there was dark clouds rolling in the sky and you could see the rain coming down very thick in various parts and in the center of this picture in the center of the waterfall out from the waterfall was a branch of a tree and on this tree was a bird and the bird was singing you could see the bird singing and that won the prize the reason why I believe is because in the middle of this giant storm in a waterfall with everything crashing down around you There is a bird singing, a bird at peace, and that is peace. Sometimes we think of it as this like serene situation, but really peace is a state of a person, right? This bird being able to be calm in the midst of everything is truly at peace. When everything's fine around you, there are some people who aren't even peace with that. You know, too quiet, too still. So I think this helps set us up with what we're looking after. We're not looking to be at rest or away from problems. That's not the solution to peace. The solution to peace is inside of us, right? And specifically, I think, inside of our relationship to God. The first passage we'll look at is Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And once again, keep in mind as we read all these that we're looking for Not how to isolate ourselves from the world for peace, but how to be at peace present in the world with things crashing down around us in a world that's in chaos and full of depression and anxiety. A world that is constantly telling us what to think and not how to think or why to think. And I'll get more to that later. 
Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So what I'm not doing here is saying, hey, if you're anxious, don't be anxious. You know, if you're worried, stop worrying. That does not work. Hey, if you're mad or if you're like, hey, calm down, does that really help? Sometimes, but rarely, in my experience, just telling somebody not to be what they are is just making them either one, worry about what they're being and make them more worried about it, or two, just gets them frustrated because clearly they're not trying to worry. That's just what is happening right now. And telling them not to isn't going to address it. So how are we going to address this? Well, the first thing about the Philippians 4 passage that I like is it says, one, don't be anxious. And it says the solution by every situation, prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now that's what to do. How does that, how does that work? Well, he says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. And then he says this, finally, focus on what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, so those three avenues, learned, received, or heard from me, or seen in me, four avenues, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So it's not just, you know, it's not when it says which transcends all understanding, it doesn't mean that you can't have peace or understanding. Actually, it says here, you could learn something from God about peace. You could maybe hear it like a word of encouragement, maybe a distraction, what you have seen in me. But it also talks about putting it in practice. In other words, maybe, you know what the easiest way is to not fall off a bike? To keep the bike moving forward. If you try to stand still on a bike, really hard to keep your balance. But the momentum from keeping the bike going forward actually helps keep you stable. I think this is the practice here in verse 9. He's saying, look, there's a bunch of ways to be in my presence, and, but you're, you're, to be idle isn't really a great way. You can be thinking of me, thinking about how to serve me in a situation. Hey, what are you worried about? Maybe think about how I would deal with this situation or where I'm at in the situation. Or maybe instead of worrying about yourself, distract yourself by helping someone else. It's funny when I say distract there, like it's like, well, don't fix the problem. You know how many times I went to serve someone else that my problem was addressed or that I saw the light of my problem. Goodness. If you think your life is really terrible and you've got all this hardship, uh, Courtney, who does the bumper for this, uh, this is one of the things that she talks about. Sometimes if she has a bad day, she'll just look at the picture of, uh, the passion movie with Christ on the cross and be like, yeah, that puts it in perspective. Serving others, seeing them, helping them with their, their lives and ministry. That's a great way to help us put things better in perspective, like the bird in the rainstorm waterfall. How about some other passages? And they all emphasize this point. One of the main points of the two points I'll be sharing today, God is the source of peace, right? God is the source of peace. So we saw that in the Philippians passage. How about Numbers 6, 24 through 26? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 
interesting those ideas of God shining upon you, being gracious to you, interacting with you is what this would mean. Seeing you is what this would mean. The way he looks at you is what this would mean. Turn his face towards you. In other words, be in direct relationship with you and give you peace. Relationships can bring peace. We'll get more into that. But God, the relationship with God, God is the source of peace as well. Not just the relationship. That's important. But God is the source of peace. Romans 5, 1 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, Christ bringing the relationship with peace, right? The idea that through him, we can have peace with God. You know, I've talked about my boys on this podcast before. Miles is three, Alec is five. And Miles, uh, I I asked Michelle if I could share this story. Um, We had an opportunity to get our vaccines, and it was impromptu. It was a thing through work. And I called up Michelle and said, hey, you want to go? And she's like, yeah. And goodness, with all the stuff in our world that's told us what to think, you know, like, hey, this is this is wrong. Hey, this is right. Hey, this is the mark of the beast. Hey, this is this is the only way if you love people, you're going to do this. And just so much noise out there that it gets really hard to see why, why you're going to do something. And Michelle, just with this sudden decision, got nervous. And um, as we try to set examples for our boys and everything else, uh, the boys know that if we're nervous or something, we should pray. And so mom is like, hey, will you guys pray with me? And, and they said, sure. And, and Miles asked, like, why? And she goes, mom is nervous. And Miles said very simply, why, mama, won't daddy be with you? That is an awesome feeling for me when I heard that he said that. And as I was preparing this lesson, I was like, oh, wow, that is such a great analogy you see, Miles associates me with taking care of the problem. My boys look at me as a superhero. Man, if something's broke, they're like, Daddy can fix it. And I, I, I almost sweat. I'm like, oh, man, I hope I can fix this one. Because they just they come to me and they relate to me and they want to talk to me and they, want, they know I can help them and they trust in me and they have faith in me. When I go into a store and it's busy, Miles sometimes might get a little nervous and he reaches up and he grabs my finger. His little hand can wrap around my finger and he holds on to it and he walks with me all through the store, and if I pick up something and I put my hand back down, all of a sudden his hand's back up and he grabs my finger and he holds on to it. He doesn't do this all the time, but when when it's a store maybe he doesn't know or there's a lot of people around, I think he does this. He also does this if it's late at night and it's bedtime and we're walking in, there's a dark room, and he goes, Daddy, Daddy, come with me. Hey, Miles, it'll be okay, go ahead. Daddy, come with me. He'll walk into the room, grab my hand, start pulling on me. He wants me to come with him into the situation. And he'll walk into it when I'm with him. No problem. Interesting to think of this idea that the presence of God can bring us peace, how the presence of a father can bring his family peace or his children peace, and how Miles just thought that was the obvious answer. But I think in our case, I would challenge that with God, this is kind of an answer. Sometimes we look at these decisions, you know, like like what to do, you know, and I, like whatever your your take is on the vaccine or whatever else. I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is trying to show how there's so much chaos about it, right? And we just need to kind of filter out that. And sometimes we get to a decision where there's so much stuff and it's like it's a 50-50 choice. You know, we have a choice and we can we can do something or not do something. And the truth is neither one is wrong or right. Oh, one is better. I know everybody's got their opinions. One is better, you know. And this, But in any choice in life, um, you can have that. And it's interesting to me how people get all bent out of shape. Like, well, which one's the right one? What if 
if you've done your due diligence as an engineer, there are times I make choices. I'm like, well, which way is the better way to do this? And I truly get down to like, I'm like, man, I, I think it's tomato, tomato. I, I think it's six one way, half a dozen another. I, I don't think that there's much of a difference. I just pick one and move on because I'm wasting a lot of time at this point over really a little detail. And sometimes I feel like God does that with us where it's like our problem isn't which one, it's that we need to pick and know that he is with us. Stop worrying about which choice you've made. Pick whatever one you want, but know that he is with you in any of those choices that you made. He can make them work. And if it was by chance the wrong one, he can redo. He can pull it back. He can close the door before you walk through it. Or he can get you to walk through it and still save time for the other door. He's the God of time, the God of everything. He's the creator of everything. So there is a little bit of relational faith that we need to have there when we come down to those. But there's also this understanding that's talked about. We do need to have some responsibility. Sometimes it's not, well, either one's right. Actually, one of those is clearly wrong. Some of them are unbiblical. Some of those choices aren't a choice. It's a temptation versus a right choice. And we need to discern those. And we can do that through scripture. He teaches us what are those things through discipleship, through the church. And we have a responsibility there. But sometimes it is 50-50 and it's okay either way. But we, we worry so much about it. Instead of just resting in his presence. Hey, just walk with him and whatever choice you make, it'll work out. And if it is the wrong choice, he'll turn you around. I do that with my boys. There are times that I will have a choice. I'm like, well, daddy, which one's the right one? Whatever one you want. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Which one will you be with? Which one will you do with me? I'll do either one with you. Oh, okay. And, and if they get through one, sometimes I make them stick with it because they chose it. Other times it's like, can I pick? Yeah, we got plenty of time. You can pick the other one. We can stop. So they, 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 they learn this lesson, like it'll be okay. Well, let's continue on. One more verse, our passage actually, it's Ephesians 2, 14 and 18. And what I want you to do is listen for how God is speaking of peace. It occurs several times in this passage, but I think the emphasis I want to make is the idea of access to God is really what will bring peace. Like the idea that you are able to have a relationship with him not that he's not there. In other words, like Miles grabbing my hand. It's not that I'm not there and not able to grab the hand, that we acknowledge that he's present. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. You know, politically, relationally, uh, whatever views you have, Michigan versus Michigan State, whatever it is, it's amazing how much hostility we can have because we have different opinions. But on so many occasions when I've seen people struggle, as long as they keep God as the center of that conversation, like, hey, look, this is my view. I feel like God says this. Hey, that's my, this is my view. It's different than yours. And I feel like God says this. Where's the middle ground there? Or maybe it's not middle ground. Where's the deeper systematic understanding of that? And you work through it, focusing on God and what those views are rather than just your opinion, because then it's just you versus someone else. But if it's both of you looking for what God wants instead of what you want, I think there's a lot of peace in that. And I think that's what this verse shares.
There's a focus on peace, and it's also on a reconciliation of a relationship with God. Well, there's another thing that relates to peace, and that is the relationship between righteousness and peace, right? In verse 8 and 9 there in Philippians, it talks about brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Any of those things, put them into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So righteousness, the idea of actually implementing these things in our lives, striving towards a deeper relationship with God, putting off sin, helps bring us to peace. By the way, does does social media or Facebook bring peace? Do you get the impression of when you look at social media or Facebook that you get something true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy? Don't get me wrong. You can find things that fit that category on there. But if you were to say what percent of your posts that you read on Facebook fit this category, how much time do you spend on it? Would you say you're focusing on Facebook and social media and other things more than things that are praiseworthy? Do you find yourself not at peace? There's a relationship there. Not that we're supposed to be just avoiding struggles or confrontations, but I think we have enough of those in the world. Maybe we need to focus on some things and putting them into practice, like serving at the church or food kitchens or other things that will help put these things into practice and give us peace. Just a thought before we start this idea of relationship to righteousness and peace. So the way God views laws in the Old Testament is interesting. The, the idea that some people view God's laws and it's like, oh, these, these are just rules that I have to worry about following. That's not the way God would have intended them. I think he intends them more like boundaries so that we understand what's going on. I think I, I'll just finish there, actually. I'm not going to go on to that. We'll, we'll save that for part two, the idea of relationship between righteousness and peace. Just to, to end on and to think about until next time. Do we know that when we walk into any situation in life that God is available to us or present with us? You know, with that let his face shine upon you, allow him to see you. I think it's easy to forget that you can hold the hand of God through all of life. I don't know why it's so hard sometimes, you know, because it's not like he's not physically present all the time with us. The Holy Spirit is a spiritual thing resting within us as a Christian. And I think that we need to work on acknowledging that and having a faith to be strong and courageous, to know that the Lord our God is with us. I think that we really need to work on instilling that as a value in our life and understanding it. I think we hear it, but I don't know if we always believe it. And I, I'll tell you the litmus test. The litmus test is that 50-50 choice that I was just talking to you about. Um, that 50-50 choice that when you come to it, I hope those become easier for you. Knowing like, hey, you know what? I don't need to, I, I, I really do. I, I feel deeply for some of those people who just spend days struggling. I don't know which one to choose. I don't know which one to choose. And it's like, what, what if there's not a wrong choice on that one? You've done your homework. You've looked at it. Like you've looked at, you know, it's like, why do you think you can choose wrong? And I think part of that is we misunderstand our relationship with God. 
instead of just making a choice and walking with him, goodness, either one of those could be great. And it's really just about doing it with him. But if you just sit back and never pick, it's like buying that new Harley or that new toy that you never play with and put in a box. You've got it, but you never get to enjoy it. Sometimes it's just better to make the choice and go and enjoy it than it is to sit there and worry about which one to choose and never enjoy either one of them at all. So until next time, I pray peace be with you. Shalom. Go and live it out.